Hey everybody, welcome. Uh, it is a fresh new episode of, uh, <laughs> I almost actually mentioned one of my other projects. Uh, fortunately not because this is the yard sign, everybody. Coming to you from the Bullhorn Banker Bunker. <laughs> it's gonna take some getting used to. <laughs> the Bullhorn Bunker at American Media Group in uh, Ybor City. All right, nonetheless, uh, the hotbed of the Super Bowl champions. Uh, anyhow, Johnny Torres with you. Thank you so much to everybody for watching. Uh, we hope you like kind of this new setup. We're trying it out, you know, uh, like a new pair of shoes. We're, we're just kind of feeling it out, see if it works for us. And so far, I love the decor in the back. And so uh, we're happy to be here. Thanks to our buddy Travis Horn for having us. Uh, with me, as always, this guy right here, Anibal David Cabrera. I'm, I'm not used to being like so next to you. I so. feel very uncomfortable <laughs> when you're sitting right next to me. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't. Uh, loving this angle, it's not very flattering <laughs> to me. Well, However, how about that angle? Do you like that angle? Do you like I that do like I do like this angle. I can't tell which one's on or not. Which are we on that one? We'll see. one is that th this four? Oh, okay. okay. So, we'll pop so there up. we go. Yeah, and then that's two. Johnny has there. to have all the cameras facing him, so <laughs> it is what it is. That's how it works. But oh, yeah, gosh. really excited to be here. Travis Warren has been a friend to a lot of us. We've gone to many parties together. Yes. We've celebrated. We've cried. We've celebrated and cried <laughs> even more. So it's great to be able to be here and be able to uh, experience this here and in front of everyone. So it's, we're having fun. Well, and almost, uh, I think, in, in maybe the best way, you know, we're actually here in his office celebrating his birthday. hey -o! And also, happy birthday happy to Travis. Birthday. So uh, how's the 27 feeling? <laughs> <laughs> As he struggles to read his phone. <laughs> Those glasses are mighty far down. <laughs> All right, well, well, let's get this thing back on track. Thank you again, everybody, for watching. Can we use this thing? I love this thing. Um, I didn't fill it out, but whatever. Uh, we appreciate you for watching. Again, the most important and relevant podcast in politics. Don't forget to subscribe to the show over at our tech overlords at Google, Amazon, Spotify, Audible, and Amazon. Man, I got it all right the first you time. You did. Uh, before we start, I actually do want to just say a uh, quick uh, two things, actually, because... Uh, most people know about uh, one important person that passed uh, over the past two weeks since our last show. Um, and there was a second person that also passed. And both of them had a very different but uh, certainly uh, an impact on me and my career. Um, first and foremost, uh, we, of course, uh, want to really, I, I don't even know if you can just say be grateful or thankful, you know, to the legacy that Rush Limbaugh has left behind. Uh, you know, I don't know that we would be doing this show and, and countless other podcasts and radio shows out there uh, would probably not exist if not for Rush Limbaugh. Mm -hmm. uh, and while, you know, uh, you know, he certainly uh, struggled here in the year's end with his health and whatnot, uh, but even more so, I mean, you know, he fought almost his entire career uh, really for our freedom to be able to speak out against our government and to speak out against elected officials and to speak out against organizations that uh, don't have our best interests at heart. And, uh, you know, you want to talk about the cancel culture in 2021. Uh, he's been dealing it, you know, he had, had been dealing it with it his entire career. Uh, you know, and you name a liberal group out there or you name an elected official out there and they wanted to take down Rush Limbaugh. Um, and uh, not saying that he didn't give them opportunities at times uh, because, you know, we're certainly all fallible, but uh, he certainly was an incredible uh, and a powerful voice. 
um, both in the times that we needed it and the times that, you know, we were running things and things were going our way. And uh, fortunately, he got to see uh, the end of a Republican presidency, uh, one that he believed in. And also, uh, he, I would say maybe the uh, finale of the Clinton dynasty, you know, <laughs> politically, you know, which I would give him a lot of credit for. I mean, a lot of people don't, you know, remember, but he mobilized a lot of people to first vote for Hillary in the primary and then vote for Obama. You know, he really kind of played those primaries and basically was, uh, I think, in many ways responsible for what ended up being a failed legacy for Hillary Clinton and her not reaching the White House. Um, I mean, anyone that's on the... Uh, wrong side of the Clinton Foundation. It has a, a nice part in my heart. And I think a lot of young conservatives that were looking for a place and looking for someone to, to almost like to a mentor somewhat to see and to focus their, their and almost mold their conservatism was Rush Limbaugh. And I, he will be very much a, a missed feature on talk radio, but his interaction with so many people is what allowed for this cornucopia of people on YouTube, on podcast, on all these other platforms to know that they have a they have a right and they have a way to go forward. So he really did inspire. When AM, when AM was going out of business and no one was listening to it, I think AM is not even a thing in, in Europe. Yeah, him and his uh, people that work with him and people that ran with him were, were those that really did influence the, the cultural norms during that, those times. Yeah, really quickly here, I'm not being rude, I'm actually just trying to share the show. And if you don't mind giving us a quick share on your social media accounts, wherever you may be watching this, be it on Facebook, YouTube, uh, we appreciate you so much for watching the show. And if you're listening to the show on the audio version of our podcast, we love you guys. Uh, our audio audience uh, has just blown up over the past few months. And so we appreciate you for listening and we appreciate George, who's on our team behind the scenes for uploading uh, those episodes every week for you. Um, one last thing, you know, is uh, there's obviously going to be a gaping hole there. I mean, despite your Ben Shapiro's and despite, you know, Charlie Kirk and this next generation. Louder with Crowder. Um, yeah, but one of the things that you can't take away from Rush Limbaugh is that he, uh, is and was the most listened to radio personality in the history of radio. Um, and that is something that cannot be taken from him. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, too, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, somebody you may not expect, uh, certainly from me in this program, but uh, Prince Marky D of the Fat Boys uh, also passed away uh, recently. And the only reason I bring him up, I mean, aside from being an iconic member of the Fat Boys hip hop group uh, in the 80s and 90s, was that I actually got the opportunity to work with him during my radio days in Miami. And uh, I mentioned him because he was a person that was full of love, full of life, uh, you know, somebody that when he walked in the door, I'm like, oh my God, A, you're on the Fat Boys, and B, you were on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I always remember because he did a cameo on that show on Fresh Prince, and I would always give him a hard time about it because the, run, the reruns were all over the place. Um, but uh, he passed away recently due to health complications, and uh, again, uh, incredibly nice guy. Uh, again, left his mark on hip-hop and R&B, you know, famously also worked with Mary J. Blige a number of times. Um, and uh, just 
one of those guys that you wish you could duplicate, you know, that we need more positivity and more love from. And, uh, and I was just fortunate to have been in his life for a short period of time. And so I just wanted to recognize him. Let's go ahead and move on to today's show. Uh, again, uh, there's no shortage of stuff to talk about, uh, per usual. And, uh, well, if you thought we were rid of Trump, <laughs> you thought wrong because uh, there's one thing that Trump loves uh, other than himself, and that's media attention. And so, of course, he did it in no other and no better place than CPAC, which took place over the weekend, uh, just an hour uh, from here, uh, up in Orlando. Uh, unfortunately, Nebel and I weren't able to get over there due to other commitments, but. Man, if it didn't get everybody talking about Trump all over again. Um, so let's go ahead and start off certainly with just the atmosphere, uh, because we were, of course, keeping in touch with a lot of our friends who yeah. were there, and we were seeing all the activity on social media. Uh, the one thing I think that became the, the must-do, the must-do and must-see item was the golden Trump. It was the most <laughs> Floridian Trumper thing you could have imagined. This was a six-foot-tall golden statue of a Trump in American shorts and flip-flops. Very Floridian. The first time you hear it... Which you, he would never be caught dead. No, in. never at all. But the way the media was spinning it on the first day of CPAC, they made it sound like it was an, an idle cow that, that people were worshipping. And really, exactly it what was, they called it. <laughs> and really, it was just the, a really cool version of of an instagram or or taking a selfie these were it was perfect because throughout the entire campaign people were taking selfies with the cutouts of trump and i think yep. that was a lot of fun that people had during the campaign and this was just another uh, reminder of how much fun people were having when it came to taking selfies with the president well the golden trump was definitely that instagram moment yes you know which now i think uh, especially once this uh, COVID stuff fully goes away and we have big events again, you're, you know, we already started to see it. We see it at weddings now too. They'll have a little Instagram spot, a little area where they want everybody to take pictures. Uh, and that was certainly it. What's funny is, is that just hearing you talk about it, it reminded me, it was almost like a mesh of our good friend Robbie Foster who passed away <laughs> and Donald Trump, which to him would have just been, oh, amazing. that's it. Life, his life would have been complete after that. If the shorts on the golden Trump were two inches tall, like shorter, it would have been a Robbie <laughs> Foster all the way through. A, a, a gentleman right. that's touched a lot of people's hearts and uh, positive and negatively, but more positive. And uh, yeah. again, we miss you, Robbie. This would also be the, um, uh, February was when he passed last year. I think it was. A, I think CPAC this year was a lot of fun. There were a lot of people enjoying it. There was a, an extreme limitation of tickets that were all uh, allocated for the weekend, so not many people were able to go. However, it sounded like there were twenty thousand people in that in that conference room when Trump came onto the the podium and started talking. He talked for about an hour and a half. A lot of policy, a lot of substance, and the one what, Johnny. What would be your one big takeaway from? Trump's speech uh, this weekend? Well, if you listen to NPR, uh, they were certainly <laughs> saying how, he, you know, he was trying to make issue of Biden's forgetfulness, you know, and how he levered the, the vaccines and actually how he kind of did a 180 on the mm -hmm. vaccines. And he was actually promoting and telling people to go out there and get a vaccine, which I think is great news. Um, but uh, 
the one thing I would say the media has probably latched on to the most is the fact that he kind of left 2024 wide open. I don't, I, I understand where you're coming from. I think it was a, it was a, he loves media attention. He's going to love the tease. He's going to love to enjoy all that. I think um, leaving the door open exactly what he wanted to do. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually allows for, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't run for 2024. Something that I was very, very interested in was a poll that they did at CPAC. Oh, the only, poll, sure. Where only 55% of um, individuals that participated in the poll wanted President Trump for 2024, which at CPAC, you would assume would be 90%. But at right. that particular poll for that, for that CPAC, there's only 55%. Uh, governor, uh, our governor, Ron DeSantis, had 22%. I think it was a, uh, that was just because it's in Florida. And he's, he's really, they're hitting him a lot. They, the media does not like our governor. And Governor Ron DeSantis is doing a great job. And yeah. again, I think they usually make a, con I would say, I think one of the polls said if Trump was on the ballot for 2024, it would be like a 90% uh, saying they would vote for him, which again, if he's on the ballot, I'm voting for him. But I think what's going to happen is you're going to see a lot more people start to um, start to wanting to run for that. Because I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't, if he, if someone doesn't come out as a strong candidate, I think he will jump in. But if not, I think he'll stay out. Look, uh, you're absolutely right. The poll is always the takeaway. The nice thing is, is that if anyone has been to CPAC mm -hmm. within the last 10 years would tell you that there was always an organization or a campaign or a candidate that would try to swing the poll in their Correct. favor. You know, they'd buy all these votes by bringing people in. I don't think they were able to do that up for, you know, the pandemic, you know, reasons. But We have no idea how you sway elections in uh, polls by bringing people in no not at all make sure i don't know what you're talking you about get what you want uh you know in years past it was typically like the libertarians you know they would uh uh swing the poll yeah, ron for ron paul, paul ron right? paul won yeah. three years in a row and never yeah. a legitimate candidate for president yeah look and 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 it was always kind of the 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 funny kind of thing you know to take away from uh cpac was okay this junk poll you know who who won and but Yes, Ron DeSantis had home field advantage. Mm -hmm. You could also say Trump had home field advantage. Yeah. But the shocking thing was is that he only hit 55%. Yeah, I was that a little poll. surprised. That's pretty crazy, especially when you consider that the second highest vote getter was Ron DeSantis, mm -hmm. despite the fact that Christy Nome and others were present there. Ted Cruz spoke, and he only got like 2%, uh, which was also pretty shocking. But again, it's one of these things that there's a lot of people that have taken somewhat of a distaste to Ted Cruz, and he's not popular in the Senate. He's not popular in Congress. People like him for where he stands on policy, but he's just not a likable person. And I'll, and I'll give a caveat. It's national politics and national polls do, right. not, like, do not like him, um, do not like Ted Cruz. I think his uh, Texans like him. There are a lot of conversations about who will run against him in this next coming election cycle. If um, who is the fake Spanish guy? Beto. Beto. Beto O'Rourke. If he's going to run for Senate again, he says he's going to. He's been running forever looking for a government job, even though he's married into money. I don't know what's going to happen with that. But uh, I will say for the South Dakota governor, uh, Christy Nome, Nome. Yep. she did not do very well on Meet the Press. I think she got she got pretty beaten up on Sunday. But I liked her speech. I did not she like... She came in third. She came in third, but I did not like her, her interview on Meet the, uh, Meet the Nation. And if you can't 
hold yourself up with national press, which again, she should get used to it. She's been fighting them for the last year because her state never officially closed down. It's going to be difficult for her to pull out a national race if they don't like him. Again, but at the end of the day, you know, again, four years from now, what people are going to remember is what state you know, made it through this, you know, by not only saving businesses, but also saving lives in the process. Yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, Florida, again, continues to defeat the narrative that the media is trying to build against it, whether it's against Ron DeSantis, whether it's against Floridians. Um, but again, they, they were talking about, you know, were we going to see a spike from mm -hmm. Super Bowl? Which uh, we did And there was no spike, you know, and funny enough, of course, the Times doing what the Times does, uh, you know, the person that they interviewed said, oh, we'll just wait, you know, just leaving it open-ended, you know, because again, they're trying to build a narrative that, you know, we're being reckless here in Florida when we're not, you know, and at the same time, we're trying to save jobs and, and save lives at the same time. Um, I, re yeah, I really don't like the way the narrative is when it comes to Florida. I think it's very... Uh, disingenuine that our politicians here, especially locally politicians in Hillsborough County, that were very much about the science, very much about watching the spike and everything else, were perfectly fine taking all the money for the Super Bowl 55 coming to Tampa. Yeah. And we did a great job. The Buccaneers did a phenomenal job winning that Super Bowl. And then we had the, we had the boat parade the following, like two days later. But yet, a week after that, they cancel all the big activities coming up down in February and March and April for Gasparilla and all the other events because of the science, they say, because of the spike, and we haven't seen one yet. So again, how on earth are you going to be able to defend? And what you're seeing now are businesses in St. Pete starting to fight back, which I was very surprised to see that that would be the first place that yeah. businesses would start challenging the legality of their, of their fines that they're getting. Tang uh, and I know that the, Patri the community patriots are now pushing for the city council not to push the, the bans on Tangara and about a few other um, clubs and I want to use the word t discotheques in Ybor City. <laughs> discotheques. Oh hey, I'm, I, I'm an old soul, so I like it. All right, shout out to our good friend Hector Gonzalez, always active and always watching. Thank you so much, buddy, for being in the comments section. To answer your question, yeah, he actually had a larger radio audience mm -hmm. than Howard Stern, um, which again, you know, is, is quite a feat. Uh, but, uh, you know, he'd also been in the game a lot longer, you know, than Howard Stern up to this point. Um, you know, depending on how long Howard Stern sticks around, that could change. But obviously he's on satellite now, so there's that whole element because it's subscription versus open air. Um, also, hi to Kim Davis watching. Cesar Bermudez, thank you guys for watching. So, Kim Davis happened to get snag a ticket to... Uh, uh, C-SPAN, not C-SPAN, CPAC, <laughs> CPAC, and at the same time, so she was volunteering for the event, I think she did a great job, her selfies with Matt Gates and some of the other politicians that she was able to run through were amazing, I was definitely following her all weekend, so again, it was a fun event, a lot of people were able to attend, some people not as much, they closed the general population area, I think Saturday, because of capacity uh, wow. issues and because they just couldn't keep the safety of all individuals. Again, we live in a COVID right. times, we have to be careful, but if you can have these conferences that do not result in large scale spikes within the nation, again, we held the largest tailgate <laughs> in the country and we've yet to see spikes. If you, if you are safe, you make sure people that are that are vulnerable or over the age of 65 are protecting themselves. You're outdoors. A lot of these things, you can mitigate it. Also, 
we have the right to choose what we want to do or not. You should not be imposing these things. I really feel that in the next week or two, or probably the next month or two, there's going to be a huge push on civil uh, disobedience when it comes to these masks and other regulations that the city is requiring us to do. Yeah, well, and she makes a really good point in the comments that, you know, now even Richard Gonsmart, who he and his family are the owners of the uh, Columbia restaurant here in Ybor City, I mean, literally five blocks from where we are, uh, is now starting to push back against the city council, uh, locking down businesses, taking away liquor licenses. I mean, it's been hard enough on these local businesses as it is, and now you're gonna come down and you're gonna punish them for trying to keep their businesses surviving especially here in Tampa, mm -hmm. in Ybor City, in a district that has financially struggled for so long and it seems to finally be turning the corner. Literally last year. Yeah. You really felt the energy in the city of Ybor City. A lot of residents were moving in, a lot of new businesses that were not just nightlife, but daylife, uh, restaurants, uh, right. um, bakeries were reopening. Right. Retailers. And, oh yeah, mm -hmm. something like that. And so now, I think one of the biggest things that people started to feel during the summer and late last year was that they were really targeting and again there's these are just allegations and observations but the ordinance individuals were really starting to target some communities in the Ybor City area and if you talk to some of the owners of the LGBTQ community and those businesses they really felt that they were being they were being pinpointed and they were being accosted yeah. because they were of being it. made an example of they were yeah. when you couldn't even you couldn't they couldn't do drag shows they couldn't dance like you couldn't dance at, at certain clubs but you could dance at others it was just it was so weird to see that we became the the, the storyline of footloose it's insane <laughs> well and again you have these kind of out of touch, like I don't even know where they came from, you know, in the county commission. Kimberly Overman was mm. the one who wanted to pass the ordinance against dancing. And what has that done? That has actually hurt businesses. It has hurt venues, yep. right? Because now you have weddings that have moved to other counties because they weren't able to have dancing at their weddings. And so they've had to look for other venues where their family would be able to uh, dance and celebrate. And so it, there's all these unintended consequences that they they never keep in mind, you know, when they're doing this sort of thing. And again, you know, at the end of the day, what about personal responsibility Correct. and letting people make those decisions for themselves? Uh, and, and again, you know, liberals as always think that government has the answer and is the best answer. And it always is rife with unintended consequences. And it's the middle, the little man, it's the business owner, the small business owner that gets screwed over in the end. You know, just like they're trying to do with these, uh, with the payoff of student loans. Yeah. You know, which is a whole nother topic. But Again, anyway. we could, I could get into that real quick, but what is the point of spending 600 million, no, $600 billion to get rid of $10,000 per person with student loans when you're still having the fundamental problem of student loans? Not that's, only that, the, the problem, problem. Is, is, and then not to go down this rabbit hole too long, <laughs> but you have the people who didn't go to college who, mm -hmm. you know, are struggling, you know, financially, and now you're going to foot them with the bill for somebody else's degree? Or are you um, going to write people and, a check who paid off their student loans? Yeah, exactly. And were doing what they were supposed to do? Or those individuals that have been struggling forever and that have still tried their best, again, Every individual that took out a student loan is different. I'm not going to cherry pick or even put them in a monolith because that's not true. Everyone has their own individual reasons why they did and did not take a student loan. What I'm saying is that just doing a blanket of 10K makes no sense because you're not dealing with the fundamental problem of these people that are putting 
that much pressure for students at 17, 18 years old to sign for a 10 to 20, $30,000 loan. It makes absolutely no sense. And unless you're willing to figure out how to fix that problem and hit it back on the colleges that are charging the absolutely ridiculous uh, tuitions, you know what I would agree? If you made community college free, I think I yeah. could get behind that. I think any conservative could get behind that because then that gives you the right to choose if you can or cannot afford a state school. You, then right. you can do a local community college. There's nothing wrong about that. I did it for a few years. But that's the problem. The stigma of, of making people make these decisions is horrible. To get real back to normal, because <laughs> we can definitely go down this road, the comment section is going back and forth about how they think that with Richard Gonsmar making comments about this so publicly that he might be um, thinking about a challenge to the mayor. So that would be pretty interesting to see if that could work out the way people are talking about. I would love to see it. Hector and Kimberly are going back and forth. If Richard Gonsmar is trying to be kingmaker or is he trying to actually run for mayor? I don't know. Would you want to see Richard Gonsmar as a mayor? I'd love it. I would love it. His German shepherd standing next to him during, <laughs> during a mayor's conference call would, conference would be amazing. Well, and nothing could be better coming out of a pandemic, coming out of an economic crisis than a businessman who has been doing this. And it's not just carrying the family torch, you know, for the past, you know, whatever, the 50, 60 years. But it, we're talking about someone who, I mean, just seems to strike gold with yeah. everything he does. I mean, you look at not only Colombia and its expansion into mm -hmm. other markets, but you look at Eulalie, which mm -hmm. is also a phenomenal restaurant. Now you look at the new Italian restaurant that he built also, you know, five blocks from here, right Sicilian. across the street from- Absolutely amazing. The name of it's not, I'm missing the name right now. But I took the in-laws, took the mother-in-law there. We've got, we've had meetings there. Phenomenal location, phenomenal place. Yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to the next topic, uh, which, again, someone who, of course, needs to get more attention from the media, but they won't because they're trying to protect him, and that would be uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo. And uh, the fact that, you know, as it, it wasn't bad enough that he was killing senior citizens in New York, um, but, you know, <laughs> and, and, and hiding it, right? What? But now it comes out that not only is he potentially um, being um, impeached, just for that, okay? And then now there are sexual allegations coming out against him. Johnny Torres, uh, <laughs> I would never imagine that the leader during the pandemic of Cuomo, who had record approval ratings, who was on TV every single wrote a book day, on it. wrote a, I was getting there, wrote a book about it, <laughs> got an Emmy. They gave him an Emmy for his performances. <laughs> I mean, for his pre press conferences. And now you're telling that he lied about his numbers? He lied about being <laughs> inappropriate to women in the Me Too movement? What? And that there's potentially a cover-up? Well, and the fact that he has a major news network also, you know, backing him at every turn, oh, you know, with his brother shame. behind the anchor chair. And, for shame. Uh, I mean, as they say, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, you know, he's been arrogant uh, about this whole thing. Again, in, in going so far as to write a book about a pandemic that's not even over yet. I mean, if Frodo, I mean, Cuomo wanted some sort of, like, some sort of award for this. Fredo. Fredo. <laughs> I said it wrong on purpose. I Frodo is a whole different character <laughs> and a whole different set of problems. <laughs> Honestly, it's a bunch of F words going around right now. Pick one, label it, moving on. Um, I think what's happening now is that 
you only see an issue with the Democrat in the social media, in the media when other Democrats are starting to smell blood in the water, and you have AOC talking about he, she wants a private, she wants an independent um, review board of what's going on with the sexual harassment, uh, a state committee man named Kim something I cannot think of. I think he represents King Jong-un. Nah, that he does look Korean. I'm not going to lie. Oh. Uh, he is. Uh, he says that the governor was mean to him on a phone call and that his oh, wife that's heard not surprising. it. Yeah, no one was surprised about that. And But then what made it even better is when the even more incompetent go uh, government official, the mayor of New York, Mayor de Blas whatever, um, made, was making comments of how he also has had phone calls that were negative and that he's not surprised that the governor of New York was being mean to other people. So I am not going to be surprised if all of this comes crumbling, crum crumbling down. I, they were talking about him replacing Biden on the ticket, if anything, God forbid, were to happen for Biden during the election cycle. So Cuomo having this kind of fall from grace, I'm not going to say I'm loving it, but I'm, I can't not smile. Well, and the reality is that he's brought it upon himself. You know, I think if he had just focused on doing his job, uh, focused on, you know, not trying to hide the numbers and be realistic, you know, because again, liberals will make excuses for failures all day long. I mean, you bring up to uh, any liberal the fact that Cuomo has failed in New York City and they start defending him oh, left no, and right. In a moment, oh, notice. well, the population and the density and this and that, and they'll just make a hundred excuses for you know him killing I don't know how many senior citizens and we've um, talked we talked about the the um, retirement home death rates back in like April or May this isn't something yeah. new for a lot of conservatives because we were having these conversations because he was sending back. Uh, sick people back into the nursing homes when they had all the open because they were afraid that they were going to get overwhelmed at the hospitals and at the they had a hospital ship and everything right so when that never happened he never reversed course by sending people to the back to their retirement homes and that killed grandma and grandpa i mean you literally have a governor that killed people's grandparents well and you know again going back to the trump administration you know Cuomo tried to come out and, and, and basically position himself against Trump, obviously as a play for president, you know, probably in four years from now. Mm -hmm. um, and so Trump's like, well, what do you need? I'll give you whatever you need. Yeah. And that's when the, the hospital ship came yep. into play. Hospital ships sat there empty for months. Not a single patient was seen at that hospital ship. Um, and uh, and they've since departed and, and again, went unused and, and just wasted millions probably of taxpayer dollars uh, and where it could have saved lives. It, you know, even today it could be saving lives and Cuomo made no use of the resources that were given to him. I think what's probably going to happen, and I don't know if someone already made the comment of who the state senator was in the comment section, but I have a feeling that Cuomo will be losing his emergency powers at the House Senate gave him in New York, in Albany, in New York. And I think what's probably going to happen also is that he's probably going to get, he apologized today about how his actions, now that he reflects on them, could have been seen as harassment and inappropriate. I'm glad that right now he's noticing that. And after it took two women to come up 
to, to approach the New York Times for him to have that, that reverse of, of emotions. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if, and again, it's been Cuomo for what, 15 years now? It's yeah. been a ridiculously long time that Cuomo has been in office. Uh, Kimberly is making comments that AOC as New York mayor, I don't think that's going to be a thing. <laughs> no. I think she wants Chuck Schumer. I think she wants Chuck Schumer's job. Andrew, in uh, for mayor of New York City, it's going to be Andrew Yang. I think that's going to be still a got fun. a pretty solid lead. Last I heard, Andrew Yang for governor. No, I don't know. I don't know. I, I couldn't see. I, I don't know who would run. Who would want to run for governor? I think AOC York. would lose in that race. I think somebody. I think anybody you know would be far more qualified to run the state than she would. And you know, despite however much money she'd be able to raise to do it, um, I think if you got a viable candidate in that seat, they could beat her. Um, who that person is, I mean. I don't know. I, I mean, it, it, it's tough. You know, it's tough to say who'd step yeah. up. The, uh, yeah. The, the reason the reason why AOC has such a comfortable position in her in 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 New York is because she is in a district that's like twenty seven percent Democrat. There's never going to be a legitimate cha challenge. The right. person that was in her seat prior was the I think the third or fourth uh, ranking Democrat in in the House. So at the moment, I don't see her moving just because I don't think she'll win a Senate race because she's really hated around the city because she brings so much negative attention. But I would not be surprised if Andrew Yang comes up. I'm, I'm, I don't like his uh, UBI conversation about wanting to give universal uh, basic income. I think it is a red herring. And uh, we don't live in a populist society where you give money to the people for votes. I think that's a very negative and, and, and very slippery slope as we start to open that. I think that's why the Republicans have been fighting giving stimulus checks uh, to individuals in regards to the pandemic. Yeah, look, I mean, if there's anywhere in the world where we're going to test that, you know, where we're going to be able to test uh, UBI, it's probably going to be New York City. Um, uh, short of that, I would say maybe uh, Portland or something crazy like that. Um, it, it's, it's one of these things where somebody's going to go out there and test it. Um, and again, it, I don't know that it's going to... Uh, work. I mean, one of the things that has shown is that there, you're always going to have the people who, you know, getting that extra money is not going to change the way they live their lives, right. you know, whether it be that they continue working or whether it be that they continue not to work. And, and so you're not solving the poverty problem simply by giving people a check every month. Um, you're, you're, you're elevating the quality of life, but at the end of the day, you're also just raising the poverty level. And you know you're raising the bar on, on poverty, yeah. and and so, you know you're just moving the goalposts at that point. Dave uh, Ramsey had, a, and I'm sorry for cutting you off. Ahead. Dave Ramsey, the the gentleman that did uh, Financial Peace University, made a comment that pissed off a lot of people about two weeks ago. And he said, "Look, if six hundred dollars or fourteen hundred dollars is going to make your life that much better, then we have much bigger problems that we need to talk about. If a one-time payment is gonna is gonna be that crucial." for your life. He understands that people are having issues right now when it comes to jobs and everything else, but if you're living that desperately, a one-time check is not gonna solve any of your problems. It's just gonna prolong the inevitable. And again, this is a larger conversation for the things. There's a reason why we have the safety net. The safety net. There's a reason why we should be focusing on opening up the system and opening up the economy again. 6% of the Florida economy is based on, on, on um, what was it called? Tourism? Um, 
Torah, but it's not tour, it's not just tourism, but it's restaurants and bars and clubs and sure. all this other stuff. Could you imagine living service in, industry? Service industry. Could you imagine in California, Disneyland hasn't even opened since March of last year. That's crazy. And thousands again, of jobs. That, and then Tens the jobs upon jobs. jobs are on that. Again, none of, no one sitting up here has an economics degree, but it's not difficult to realize after reading The Wealth of a Nation how, how easy it is to fix this if you want to get back to 5 to 6% unemployment. Well, and again, you know, that liberals like to think that, you know, all these companies are just sitting on piles oh, of yeah. money, you know, and, and again, eventually they also start to feel the pinch and they're going to make the moves that they need to to get profitable again. You know, Disney has already started to move a large part of their operations to Florida. Why? Because they need to continue to produce. They need to continue to get their, their companies up and running, you know, because it's not just the theme parks, it's the cruise lines, it's, you know, any, you know, all the TV channels uh, and all those people have been working remotely and, and there's only so much that you can accomplish that way. Um, and it's, it's basically like trying to live your life with one hand tied behind your back. You know, and so you know it's getting bad when your major industries are also following the exodus out of the state. You know, along with Tesla, yep. you know, building now the Gigafactory in Austin, Texas. Uh, and, and again, that was something that I believe was slated for California as well. Um, and he has said that he, if he had had the opportunity to move Tesla out of California he earlier, he probably would have. Um, he's obviously very established there because of the infrastructure that's needed for him to build the cars that he does. Um, but I think he, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts to transition to some of these other locations outside of Texas and inevitably just closes down the, the California facility. Correct, I mean, at the end of the day, California is the fifth largest economy in the world. So they have a lot of wiggle room when it comes to the infrastructure and the individuals. But California, New York, and other very liberal states have been losing population for the last decade. And now you see it even escalate even further as people are moving to the South, to Texas, to New York, to Florida, we see it all the time now. And again, I think Hillsborough County itself is getting three to 400 people moving a week into the city, maybe even a day. I don't know, I can't, I think Nick Williams would, would be able to make that comment. But the comment section is blowing up. We have Kim Davis talking about how she's practicing her Australian accent <laughs> if AOC becomes president or gets into the Senate. I really had to think about if there was a difference in dialect of an Australian accent compared to the United States. There's probably words. I know shrimp on a Barbie. Barbie? Bar nah, nah, not my thing. Uh, <laughs> Hector's talking about Andrew, uh, Andrew Yang running again and everything else. I will say, uh, hi, Laura. Uh, he, she's saying that Larry Sharp should run for New York governor. We'll have to do some research. But I think he's a libertarian and not a Republican. So right. we'll see how that works out. I mean, at the end of the day, it's interesting because Bloomberg originally got elected as, even as a Republican. As a Republican. Um, I don't know that really the, the party matters. I mean, nowadays it probably would matter a lot more so, especially, you know, because they're going to brand you with the Trump, you know, name, mm -hmm. you know, regardless of where you stand on Trump. If you're a Republican, they're going to associate you with Trump, and I don't know how that would play in New York. Uh, but... It, it's one of these things where, you know, when these pandemics, these crises happen, you know, it does make people rethink, you know, where they fall politically. Yeah. Uh, and if Biden continues to screw the American people over, as he has with the stimulus checks and now, you know, bombing Syria and, and basically doing everything else other than what he promised people he would do, 
Um, Putting in, children in cages. I mean, really, yeah. the only thing we're doing is just changing the verbiage. So I'm actually, I'm, I'm not to say that I'm happy that Biden won, but now we get to see what the other side, because people will talk all the time, oh, right. Trump is a tyrant, oh, Trump is a dictator. No, he's not. You're, he, he governed as one of the most conservative presidents that we've had in a very long time. His Twitter handle, not so much. However, the way he governs is how I wanted the president to, to get to govern. Right. He gave me exactly almost everything I wanted in regards to a, a, a government. And now we're seeing that Biden on day one, we're 30 days in and 45 executive orders in. Yeah. That's not government. Well, when you're in Congress, you, know, you can say, hey, look, I can't control everybody's Correct. vote. Even in the Senate, hey, there's only so much we can do about the legislation that we passed. But when you're president, there's no excuse for that. Or when you're governor, mm -hmm. there's no excuse for that. And that was one of the reasons that DeSantis was so popular yes. right out of the gate was because he actually followed through on the things that he said he was going to do. Remember the article from the Orlando? Sentinel that was praising him yeah. the best way they could. They're like, okay, he did what anyone should really be doing. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to take that from a very liberal uh, media source when it came to the Orlando Sentinel. And so now you're seeing what it looks like for a, a Democrat, who the Democrat Party that has the Senate and that has the House and the way they govern. They cannot get you their second check when they were supposed to give the people the $1,400 check the day after the election. Right. And they were supposed to do $15 on a $15 hour of wages and do all this other stuff. And you now notice how it's all bullshit. <laughs> It doesn't yeah. matter what they're saying. You're still having an immigration problem on the border. You're still putting kids into cages. And it's because that's the reality of things to make sure these kids aren't being trafficked. Again, if you don't understand immigration policy and you haven't been sitting in the third pew of a Spanish church for the last 25 years and making sure that we're sending people to the border to make sure they're not getting trafficked, you have no idea what you're talking about. It's the reality of immigration and immigration policy versus the rhetoric and yeah. you know it's kind of the same reason why Barack Obama said he was going to close Guantanamo Bay and couldn't mm -hmm. well gee maybe it's because our defense policy depends on it yeah. maybe it's because our national defense policy actually requires actually needs for us to have somewhere that is not an American soul for us to keep the very very bad people um, and, you know, to Hector's point on Joe Biden being basically a third Obama term, it really is because Biden, uh, oh, Biden, uh, Biden, <laughs> yeah, he might as well call him right. Biden. I'll go there. He hasn't had a single original thought in his entire political career. And if you look at it, you know, people want to say, uh, oh, you know, he's not the same guy that stood for segregation and he's not the same guy that said all those, uh, you know, racially insensitive things. And, and, and the thing is, is that he's always gone with the wind. Mm -hmm. He's always swayed, you know, depending on wherever the political party has gone, wherever the Democrat party is going, that's where Biden's going. You know, he, he's not a conservative Democrat. He's not a moderate Democrat. He's a do whatever he is, is told to be done, you know, type of Democrat. He's just going to do whatever the party tells him. How to. is it that we were on the right side of marriage equality before the Democrats were right. when it came to those policies that were in up? Domo. People don't remember that. And it, we wrote, you and I wrote an yeah. article about that, how we were completely against the government dictating what were you doing in your own bedroom. It wasn't <laughs> a left or right conversation. It was the government should have been telling you who you're sleeping with. The history of the Democratic Party has been undoing yes. legislation designed um, by the Democratic, Democratic Party. Party. <laughs> That's a good one. It really has. We need to find a bumper sticker for that. Yeah.
I would love to see it. Well, thank you, everybody, for watching. This is The Yard Sign, the most important and relevant podcast in politics. If you bring up the uh, topics for us, we appreciate you watching. Again, don't forget, you can subscribe to the audio version of the podcast on our tech overlords uh, at Google, Apple, Spotify, Audible, and Amazon. Uh, and uh, we certainly appreciate you, and thank you for giving us the freedom to broadcast on your platforms. Oh, great you tech so overlords. Thank you so much. <laughs> Oh, man. Thank you to everybody uh, hanging out in the comments section. Uh, we truly appreciate it. Um, now we're going to try to touch on a subject that is near and dear to someone's heart uh, because I am kind of flying a little bit blind here. I've been uh, paying more attention to what's happening in America. Are you not <laughs> researching and watching the BBC Asian networks? Oh, of course not. Well. In this week's of, <laughs> of, a, of a Neville's Attic, am I turning to another camera? What am I doing? No? No, okay. you're good. Uh, I have a... Myanmar, how's it looking? Not really good, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> we are on day 29 of a military coup that took over in splendid array. I would highly recommend that you look up um, Zumba class while the Myanmar government military invades the parliament. Straight up, someone was live streaming a Zumba class while the black SUVs and tanks were rolling into the parliament. It is a take of any kind. At the moment, there have been 15 deaths and 30 wounded of uh, pro daily protesting from the, um, the, the military coup that occurred on February 1st. We have yet to see Aung San uh, Suu Kyi in any kind of um, court system. However, she has already been tried for having radios in her, in her house and other communication products. I don't think there's going to be any form of relief in regards to what's happening in Myanmar, Burma. And you see now that the only countries that are coming to the support of the protesters are the other Western countries, Australia, India has made some conversations about it, uh, UK has denounced. And right now, the only thing the, the Biden administration and really any Western country could do would just would be to uh, put sanctions on the government officials that were contributing to the coup. So unless it gets more violent, which I think it will become more violent because you see it now we're at almost 30 days, I would say another 30, 60 days, but the military is definitely starting to crack down on what's happening in Myanmar. I'll just add that uh, Democrats might want to take note that this is an actual coup, <laughs> okay? This is what a coup actually looks like. What happened on January 6th at the Capitol was not, was a, not coup. a coup. No. It was stupid, and it was horrible, and it was terrible, but not a coup, okay? I mean, it was like the equivalent of a freaking paintball game. I mean, it was like... Uh, I wouldn't go that... I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring it down that much. I mean, yes. I mean, people, I mean and I'm not trying to diminish Lives the, were lost right. on January 6th. However, when you come to find out, and I'm actually looking forward to the 9-11-style uh, commission that Nancy Pelosi wants, because I can't wait for that email to show that Nancy Pelosi was being, in, uh, was being informed by the FBI that there was a potential... Uh, form of violence that was going to occur on January 6th, a yeah. month before it happened. So why were they denying When I, I want to read the chapter on AOC and where she was during <laughs> all that, you know, because apparently she had a front row seat. 
From what I understand, she was at a bar. I mean, she was at her office somewhere, <laughs> uh, not in the Capitol building when all this went down. And she was afraid that the Capitol police were being too mean with her and other people. And you just don't understand what's going on in her life. I can't. I, I just can't. I, I, can't. I can't. It's too emotional. That's pretty it's, good. It's very yeah, emotional yeah. right now. It's very, very emotional. Yeah, but but that's the thing. I mean, look, a coup it was not. I mean, was it terrible and was it, you know, it, 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 a thing to happen? Was, you know, do I wish it never happened? Absolutely. Um, but again, nobody was there to actually try to overthrow the government. Okay? No one was there to throw the gu I can't. I can't. I just, I cannot. I mean, you did have some idiots with some bad ideas. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, but you also had a grandma walking through there, like, taking pictures and video of her walking through the Capitol as if it was, like, her visiting day, you know, and she'd gotten... She had a ticket already. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's... Uh, so again, anyways. I want the I want the commission to really come out and show what happened on that day because it needs there needs to be an honest conversation because they've been using this as a way to pummel other conservatives. Oh, so you automatically agree what happened on January sixth? Of course, I don't agree what happened on January sixth. Right. No conservative in their right mind would agree that what happened on January sixth was appropriate. But also, don't make it sound like we were see we were we were invading the Tower of London when it came to the overthrow of the government. Please, of all things be sensical and understand that why was uh, when the Capitol Police requested from the DC mayor for more troops it was denied why were the National Guards denied those requests all of this happened beforehand yep. and it needs to come out I'm not saying there's a conspiracy when I'm saying what happened there sucked and should not have happened not and, only all, that. and all those that caught that committed a crime at the Capitol building should be brought to justice politically speaking too I mean if the right side of the country you know, the Republican-leaning side of the country wanted to overthrow the government. Oh, we would have thrown They would have overthrown the government. The government. Yes, trust we me. We own 90% of the guns. Like, I, Jesus. I know very few liberals that own weapons, and the weapons they do have, they don't have enough firearm armor to last one night of shootouts. Well, and now they make it that, they're trying to make it to where any semblance of patriotism, you know, any expression of patriotism or, or wanting America, you know, to be great, you know, mm -hmm. or is now seen as a threat oh no that's violent rhetoric you know they're you know which is really what they've been going for that's what they've been aiming for all along it's what they wanted they yeah. wanted this to be as bad as possible so it looked poorly on republicans and republicans would have to defend what happened it's like what when um the ku klux klan were in what, uh, charlottesville yeah. Charlotte, yeah, it was Charlottesville. No one agreed upon what happened there, and we all condemned it immensely, but yet we were still hit upon the head every single time it brought, was brought up. Well, do you agree? No, I don't agree. I have to, I have to tattoo it on my forehead for you to figure it out? They're never going to care because they want to use that because they only think that Republicans are bigot racist when you have two Hispanic Republicans sitting right in front of you. <laughs> All right. Where are your papers, <laughs> Show me your papers. <laughs> Can I have your coat, your hat, and your? I'm not gonna say it. Oh, <laughs> we're definitely getting banned from somebody, somewhere. Oh my god. Hey, look, it's bad enough that the left was just losing its ever-loving mind over the stage, the stage at CPAC. I don't know if you caught that. I didn't even want to bring it up because it's so ridiculous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> oh my god. Uh, I can't. Our in-studio audience has has broken. Do I need Do I need to get you off camera for a second? Oy vey, oy vey. Oh my gosh. Well, well let me go ahead <laughs> and know. you later. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh my gosh. No, I will say this right now. Um, where are we doing? <laughs> I was about to change the topic. Uh, well, you do that, sir, while I research the next topic. <laughs> no, I was just saying, Good I didn't want to bring it up, you know, because it was such a ridiculous issue. But liberals were losing their mind because they were saying that the stage uh, at CPAC was somehow in the shape of a Nazi symbol. Yeah, which, again, ludicrous. Look it up. It's stupid and ridiculous. Obama's and, first know. inauguration looked like the German high chancellor's office. Right. That's all I'm going to say about that. So, and actually, the, the, there was a, a crest on the Bible that Biden used. Oh, my God. Which is his family Bible, right? That's, like, supposedly, like, From hundreds Germany. of years old. And that's what, <laughs> yeah, that supposedly that crest has been adopted by um, by white supremacists. The things that get through, like the 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 first layer right. of what you would assume would be stopped, it fascinates me. What actually gets on the air and gets yeah. in photos. So, I'm not surprised whatsoever. All right. So, what's in those Pellegrinos? I don't know what's in. Uh, this is water. Yeah. I can't speak for that bottle. I can't speak for this bottle. Okay. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. I wouldn't be surprised if some of that stuff back there snuck into uh, this bottle over here. <laughs> so as long as we're, we're, how many, we're an hour, almost an hour in, Travis yes. Horn isn't watching this anymore. The so kids have gone to sleep. <laughs> so we can definitely partake in some of the alcohol. I will also say that this is water. I don't, the allegations, I'm very offended that people would assume <laughs> that there was something in our water. Yeah. If Adibo's going to drink, it's just a couple blocks from here, okay? It's not in this room. I would do it happily and in front of everyone. <laughs> I ain't running for anything anytime soon. This is oh. going to get docs later. Um, all right. Let's go ahead and, and uh, bring it home with our final topic of the day. Um, for those of you in the Tampa Bay area may have seen, there was a big Florida <gasps> Supreme Court win by our very own County Commissioner Stacy White. Yes, one of two Republicans uh, in our County Commission. Fortunately, the final two. Travis, um, I'm not going to take anything. I'm sorry. He's still watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, live, uh, live comment section. He got a big win, you know, after he'd been fighting for quite some time, I think almost two years, he'd been fighting this tax that uh, was voted on by the residents of Hillsborough County. But again, it was a very poorly uh, worded and uh, misleading amend uh, amendment or addendum uh, that was on the ballot. Uh, and it raised our county uh, sales tax by, by 1%. 1%. And uh, that was to go towards transportation projects. But again, the verbiage was very broad and misleading. Um, and it left a bad taste in people's mouths when they realized that it wasn't going to go to the projects and the things that they thought needed to be fixed and needed to be addressed when it came to transportation in Hillsborough County. What? If you, want, if you had the lobbying company and organization write the legislation that you pushed in Hillsborough County and you didn't know what it said verbatim and then you're upset that someone a Republican also shout out to Bob Emerson who was also on that's right the uh, um, so Hillsborough County's Commissioner Stacy White along with Hillsborough resident Bob Emerson who is definitely a friend of the show and he is a great individual he runs the South um, not South Tampa not South Florida 
Apollo Beach Republican Club right. down there. No, the um, no Alafaya. No, that's um, em that's the other Emerson. Brother. Oh, uh, Steve. Steve Emerson Got does Alafaya. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, Sorry. so uh, because the portions of the original charter amended were struck down by the lower court, and the amendments was fundamentally changed in the way no longer consistent of the way the voters wanted in 2018. I think the way they try to try try to weasel their language into this was very. In, was very inappropriate and it increased taxes by one cent into the entire county. I think they're almost a little bit under $500 million in the kitty that they've been taking from residents. And right. now what's happening is because it was an unconstitutional law. The premise of it was that they were going to give us a plan and that plan never materialized of what they were going to do with it. And mm -hmm. because of it never materializing, we were voting on something that didn't really have a plan and what we were going to vote. Because we all agree transportation is a big deal in Hillsborough County. Right. Roads need to get fixed, sidewalks need to get fixed, more bus depots need to get added on, a mass transit of some sort needs to be figured out in the county area. However, when and you're going to lie to the residents of Hillsborough County and not tell them the truth and not tell them what they're taking the money away from and they're not going to go into repay. It took a Super Bowl to repay Himes Avenue. Like right. That's just ridiculous. But now you have people so upset with the county commissioners because what was going to happen, if you read the rest of the text, it wasn't the county commissioners that were going to pick and choose the projects. It was an unelected board that was going to pick the, pick the projects and where the money was going to go. And I think that's what steamed everyone off on this situation. Yeah, look, and, and, and I'm certainly in favor of transportation solutions. But, you know, it's funny. There's somebody who works at one of the large government entities here in our county that, you know, I was having this conversation with. And, uh, and I said, well, why don't we take all that money and invest it into southern Hillsborough County, where, again, we're way behind on projects because the roads aren't wide enough, mm -hmm. the traffic is multiplying by the day, you know, there's huge projects. Oh, no, 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 we should pass those costs on to the developers. We should, we should have the developers pay for that. It's like, well, the residents are paying for the, the residents obviously are okay with spending more money on yes. our transportation needs. That is a major transportation need. Yes. Anything south of Gibsonton Drive right now is, is a nightmare, you know, at almost any time of the day. You know, but again, because it doesn't affect the city of Tampa, you know, where all the movers and shakers lives, they're like, oh, well, that's not our problem. That's another problem for somebody else to deal with. And you go find money somewhere else to fix those problems. The city, don't get me wrong, I live in the city of Tampa. I don't, and I feel that some forms of additional transportation is necessary, but the fact that they're gonna spend another $50,000 on a, on a proposal to put gondolas into the city is ridiculous. We've been having the same impact research review every other year because of impact when it comes to transportation. I don't need to be told that Del Mabry and Kennedy is getting worse. I don't need to be told that certain intersections coming on and off the highway are going worse. And then you hear these people talk about wanting to get rid of a highway completely because they want the neighborhoods to rejoin. Guys, it's over. Move on. Unless you're going to build underneath something, that's not going to happen. And you can't build nothing underneath in, in Tampa. So I think people are losing the, the conversation of where this money needs to go. Should it go to bail out the schools? Because that's what's happening right now. The schools are already going to be in deficit. And I don't want to see... Which they're also making extra money oh, yeah, from the we sales got tax. tax. From the, again, 
we're getting taxed so much and we're not seeing where any of that money is going. And the fact that they're still having deficit problems mean that they weren't doing enough to budget the what was necessary. There's a reason why we have balanced budget requirements in, in the Florida legislature, the Florida House, is to make sure we don't have this problem. Something that the governor said over the weekend is that we did such a good job implementing the, break, the shutdown and then reopening quickly that we didn't have to touch any of the rainy day funds for the Florida budget, which is amazing yeah. and what's needed to happen in Hillsborough County. How are you going to justify the budget deficit? And now it's not a 50-50 for Hillsborough County's Republicans and Democrats on the commission. It's now it's a what, five to two at the moment? Yeah. And now and all of the city council members are Democrats. They have to be the ones that have to figure out what they want to do with the budget if we're going to give them any more money. Which I understand, you know, we had a pandemic and we had an economic crisis. Okay, but that sales tax has still been in effect, especially the one for the schools. Okay, and there should be, and I know we're going off topic, but there should be an investigation launched into the Hillsborough County School District and how that money has been spent. Because despite the fact that we, they still got the money that mm -hmm. they have always gotten and yep. more, from the state. Yep. Okay. And now they had the money coming from the extra sales tax. It's a cent and a half that they were getting for the school. And we're still going to be a quarter of a billion in deficit. Yeah. Well, so where's all that money going? And, and why are they falling short, being that they just raised taxes two years ago? And, you know, all this money was supposed to go towards air conditioning units, which that project never got uh, finished. Playgrounds. But you know what? High schools got electric cars, and all of a sudden, new playgrounds were popping up all over the place. And we've got covered playgrounds because, God forbid, uh, you know, kids get a little extra vitamin D. Uh, you know, and so, again, they've already blown through the money, you know, that they didn't even have. They were already spending money that they didn't even have, and that's what the county and the city wanted to go into the trough, basically, for this money. They wanted to touch this money before the Supreme Court came down on it because they've already spent money that they don't have. And this is the problem with liberal leadership and when you have a legacy of liberal, liberal leadership. And that's why you see so many big cities constantly in a state of disrepair and in a state of decline because they have no fiscal responsibility. I'm not going to say the Democrats don't know how to work with money, but I'm going to say the Democrats don't know how to work with money. Kimberly <laughs> Davis made a great comment right now saying the planning, the planning commission in charge of the redistribution was heavily already Democrat. Again, these are Democrat commissioners electing a non-elected board to make, to make decisions of where the funds were going to be distributed. That's not how this works. We are a republic. We elect our officials to be accountable for the decisions that they're making, not an unelected board that has control of a sales tax. That's absolutely ridiculous. And when you argue with people about this around the county, they would get mad at you because, well, you don't, you don't believe that we should have better transportation. Of course I do. I want better transportation for everyone. But we also need to have people making those decisions that we can then hold accountable when they don't make the right decisions. If you don't know where, if you do not know where, <laughs> where Plant City is, if you do not know where Sun City Center is, if you do not know where Oldsmar is, and you're in the middle of the city of Tampa, then you're not thinking about those people. You don't care how, what bu the buses aren't going to, oh, what is that? Um, farming uh, community on Ruskin? Ruskin. Why Mama? Oh, Why Mama. You're not thinking about buses going to Why Mama. You're not thinking about buses going to, to Oldsmar. You're not thinking about any of that. You're only thinking about trolleys in the middle of the city of tourism, thinking that it's, oh, well, we have an increase of, of riders. Yeah, because you made it free. 
that of course you're gonna you're gonna make up the numbers that are going on there. I really have a big problem with people trying to argue with transportation when they have no fundamental idea of how to make sure that the most needy people in our in our community get what they need to be able to transport themselves when they cannot afford a car. Yeah, uh, quick shout out to Steve Emerson who actually jumped in the comments hey. after, after we, we put his name out there in the <laughs> atmosphere. Um, and uh, really quick, I wanted to address a few things in the comment section here. Uh, Joe uh, Wicker asking, well, what's going to happen to the 500 million that's been collected already? Uh, I mean, Girl, there's a couple of ideas. No idea. <laughs> yeah, the truth is, is that we don't know yet. Um, now, uh, there's, there was an article that came out today saying that Hart is actually thinking about doing a refund. Uh, you know, which I think is a phenomenal idea. Let the people get so. their money back. I think that you know, be great. and and uh, you know, somebody out there actually roughly did the math, and they said that every tax-paying citizen out there, so every adult, let's say, uh, out there, could get up to a $400 check. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if stress, if the commission starts to really feel the stress yeah. of the population now that they're hearing that we've wasted how much money defending that they had to pay to defend this rule, that this ruling, and how much money was spent on all these uh, reviews and everything else, I think it's gonna cause a lot of problems. I would love a $400 check. I don't want a $400 <laughs> check. I think giving some portion of that to the individuals to be able to ride the bus, I would rather have them figure out a way to make bus riding cheaper than trolleys. Because again, those that are using the trolley are not, I would say 90% of that is not being used to get them from work to home. Why is our audience... Hey, 400 bucks gets my daughter and I tickets to Disney, so I'd be all about that. Yeah, for a day. <laughs> <laughs> Which I definitely paid for, honey. Um, the other question is uh, uh, from Hector, and he says, do you think that Miami-Dade, similar state of disrepair, even though they have more of a Republican presidency? Yeah, because those Republicans down there are a different breed. I mean, they're Cuban Republicans. And, uh, and so while they have an art next to their name, uh, I mean, they're pretty liberal in, in most ways. And uh, look, being Hispanic, sitting next to Hispanic, uh, you know, you don't, we don't have to look far, you know, to find that most Latin American countries have a little bit of problem with corruption. And, um, <laughs> and Miami is no stranger to corruption. And that's actually one of the reasons. I spoke to Mitch Perry mm. from Bay News 9 recently um, because he was interviewing me about this exact topic. And I told him, I go, I've seen how this plays out. I've seen this story already happen. Yeah. I was born and raised in Miami in 1980, and I lived there for <laughs> 20 plus years. And I see what happens when you promise somebody a rail system that's supposed to cover the entire oh, county that never comes to fruition because the county commission and the city managers end up taking that money for other projects and they end up diverting those funds and they never finish the expansion. And now that the county is so just overwhelmed by the population and that there's no land left mm -hmm. to build the thing now that's it the, the project is dead and it's only going to service a small amount of the population and miami-dade county still has a horrible traffic problem um and it, it took them it took them 30 years to connect the rail system from downtown to the airport 
oh, 30 years. I'm not surprised whatsoever. I've, I've attempted to get on the people mover in Miami, and I'm having to park my car in a garage, go walk right. up a flight of stairs, what I don't do very easily, and then, find, and then wait for a, a trams that's not getting there on time, and I'm having to wait. And it was just, it was a mess because I wanted to see if, how it worked. And it doesn't work there. Will it work here? I don't know. Joe Wicker is talking about how we should actually have a train from Dover to Cracker Barrel on 60th and Valrico. <laughs> you know, I'm not opposed to that idea. I think it would be very lenient for our society to do something like that. But again, if you can't tell me that we can't have a conversation about connecting the airport to downtown Tampa, how long have we been having this conversation? Since we were starting well, to TYR. <laughs> The problem is, is that it's like that shouldn't have been the piece that came 30 years yeah. later. That should have been the piece that came day one. Yes. Um, and Because it alleviates traffic from the two big inter intersections. What happens right. when you are able to put uh, downtown to USF? That's a big corridor. You're telling me that we can't figure out a way to put a tram somewhere in the middle of the highway to get to USF? Are you kidding me? Look, and the big misnomer is, is that people work downtown. The majority of Tampa does not work downtown. Correct, correct. Um, and so when, in talking to Mitch Perry, you know, and of course they only use about 10 seconds of, you know, a conversation, but I've told him, I go, if you want to win the rail argument, if you want to actually build a rail system that the people are going to get behind in Hillsborough County, you've got to start out east. You got to start in Plant City. You got to start in Apollo Beach. You got to start out there never and do. work your way in they'll never do it. to get their buy-in. They'll never do it. They because, don't care. They yeah, don't care. They're, they're never going to get it. They're never going to care about people that don't live in the core of the city of Tampa. They, they're never going to care. And they, now, that trans, now that the working environment is so different, what is it? So many people are working from home now. They're working from coffee shops down the streets. So right. now local is the thing. And you're going to tell me that we're unable to figure out a way to connect individuals? I would, again, I would love for there to be conversations about new technology that wasn't based in the, seventh, the 18th century. It upsets me so much that they're even thinking of spending the money that we have now in the coffer for deficit reduction. That yeah. is absolutely ridiculous. Right. You should figure out a way to invest that money to further the conversation or for or actually do things in transportation, what's necessary. But of course, they're not going to do that. Yeah, look, and Joe put together two solutions. It's like you could either put it towards county debt. Um, you know, and then the other one was a transportation solution. Could a train track now be built onto the side of the Selman? And yes to both of those, okay? But, and I think the, the Selman Expressway idea is more doable and realistic. But why put the burden again on taxpayers that the city is in debt? I mean, yes, technically the citizens are in debt, you know, mm -hmm. so, uh, uh, but let the elected officials figure that out. Let them figure out how they're paying off that debt. It's, that's not the job of the citizens to pay off that debt. And so, I don't know. I think, especially given the economic crisis that we're in because of the pandemic, I think you give everybody their check, give them a $400 stimulus check, and, and let's call it a day. I would love for Hills. I would love for the county commissioners to have the the gonads to actually make that decision and make that confirmation that they're going to just give it back to the citizens and have that proposal. I mean, do a means test. I'm not. Th I don't think Richard Gonsmar needs a $400 check no. from. But I bet you he's paid just as much as that in taxes when it comes to purchasing of that one cent increase. Again, we you have people buying things in other counties because it's cheaper for these large ticket items. People are buying cars. People are buying other furniture other utility other um um 
other fixtures of their houses outside of Hillsborough County because you actually see a 20, 30, $50 difference. I mean, the absurdity that we're not even the most populous county, we're not even the third most populous county, I don't think. And yet we had the highest uh, state the sales tax mm -hmm. in the state. I mean, that, that tells you really, that right there tells you the quality of leadership in the city and the county, that even though we're not even the most populous county, we had the highest sales tax up until this Supreme Court ruling uh, here in Hillsborough County. So I'm very happy the Supreme Court ruled in a favor of uh, actual of Stacey White and Bob Emerson. I think they've done a great job. They took a lot of heat, Bob especially took a lot of heat and a lot of shenanigans because of this. And he did what was necessary. And he took his, his neck out there and he did what was right for the people yeah. and for the citizens of Hillsborough County. So I applaud uh, Bob Emerson and Stacey White. I'm actually very disappointed that Stacey White is getting termed out of District 4. I think something that we can easily talk about right now, real quick, is the local politics of who is moving to what to where. Well, speaking of District 4, I mean... So today, this morning, our friend um, Michael My Owens filed officially for District 4 in regards to county commission. That is everything on the lower east side of Hillsborough County, Brandon, Riverview, Waimama, Plant City. Another person that we're looking to see who's going to jump into that race is District 1. There's a bunch of people that are thinking about jumping into that race. Uh, the person that ran there last year, last cycle, was uh, Scott Levinson. He is someone that is really thinking about it. There are others that are thinking about jumping in that race. Who else is running? Have we heard anything from District 2, the other Republican seat in County mm -hmm. Commission? I do not know what's going to happen to... Um, Who's in that district? Ken now? Hagen. Ken Hagen. I think he's getting termed out. Yeah. Or, no, I'm sorry. Ken Hagen is actually incumbent in District 2 because it is a it is not a county-wide seat. It is a local seat. You know, but it, you know, it just reminds me of the fact that they need to change the rules on the county commission because these commissioners have been playing merry-go-round for far too long. I mean, it's only now, unfortunately, uh, on the liberal side that we are seeing new blood in the mm -hmm. county commission. Um, but, you know, all these county commissioners, and they know who they are, you know, have just been playing merry-go-round yes. on these seats. And, you know, if they were governing like Republicans, I, I don't think I'd take mu as much of an issue with it. But the problem is, is that the longer they stay entrenched there, the longer they seem to stray away from the Republican values that got them elected in the first place. I'll call names where I need to call them. Uh, Ken Hagen, that was a, a really messed up situation that occurred with the ballpark. I think it's more a legal issue that you're going to have to face later on. Who knows what's going to happen with that? Um, Sandy Merman, love you to death, but I think what's, I don't think she campaigned well enough at the end of her last cycle. I really think she could have taken that seat if she would have put a little more effort into it. Again, probably overestimated her name ID. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and again, it goes to show you that people want new blood, people want new ideas. And it doesn't mean that. You, you know, uh, that somebody who's been in these seats can't come up with new ideas because you can and mm -hmm. you can continue to justify while, why you get elected or get reelected. Um, but again, she just never had anything fresh or new to present to justify her continuing to ride that merry-go-round on the county commission. Yeah, so the next round of elections are in 2022. Everyone except Pat Kemp is running for, uh, as well as their districts are up for elections, that is districts one, two, three, four, five, and seven. 
So all the count, all the district seats and two of the three county seats. In regards to the city of Tampa, that election is on the 20 is on 2023 in March or April of that. And everyone, I believe, is up for re-election or is an open seat. So it's going to be this coming cycle, especially for Hillsborough and the Tampa Bay area, is looking really interesting to see how that's going to run. The governor's running one of the Senate's uh, Florida Senate races is happening. It's going to be a fun cycle. And I'm looking forward to 2022 and having that whole conversation of who's running where. Someone that I know we're both waiting to her, for her to make her decision is uh, Jackie. I think she is someone that a lot of people are looking for in House District 60. I'm really excited to see what her decision is. Does she finish her fourth and last term in District 60 or does she move up? She tries to punch above her, her class and get into the House and get into the Florida Senate. Well, I think she'd be quite the Republican hero if she were able to take out Janet Cruz. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's not going to be easy to beat Janet Cruz. I mean, her daughter is obviously uh, first lady of the city of Tampa <laughs> and one of the uh, top fundraising Democrats. And, uh, and But, you know, again, to Jackie's credit, she has uh, proven a lot of people wrong. Mm -hmm. She's shocked a lot of people in terms of her fundraising, in terms of her viability as a candidate. And I think she is the obvious choice to challenge Janet Cruz, and I think she could absolutely win. Um, you know, Janet Cruz is someone who I think a lot of people have favored simply because she's been in the community for a long time. Um, but I think I don't think she's as likable as Jackie is, um, and uh, or has shown to be as effective as Jackie is. And when you're looking at a Republican legislature, you know, and you're looking at a state Senate seat, well, who's going to get more done for you, a Democrat in that seat or a Republican in that seat where she has the support of the overall legislature? I've I want to say it's more as like a retail politics. I think I think Jackie Toledo does a great job with retail politics in District 60. Her um, District 1 uh, for County Commission, that's all South Tampa, uh, West Chase, and uh, Apollo Beach. I think she does a great job in that in that area. I think she'll do even she'll do great if she jumps to the Senate, the House Senate. I love the, the, the Democrat in that seat, I'm not gonna lie. She does retail politics very well. I, I, I say hello and give her a kiss on the cheek every time I see her and her daughter. I, I, I know you don't like how, how friendly I am to Democrats, but it's a Latin thing. I've, I've seen her at my church before. I've seen her in the community and it's very difficult not to say hi to them. Yeah, look, I mean, if anybody can take out uh, Janet Cruz, it's going to be Jackie. Yeah. Um, uh, as far as, you know, uh, again, Angel Urbina running against um, She Shu Shall Not Be Named. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I would say, look, I love Angel, but it's just not going to happen. I mean, she's, yeah. she's too well known. Uh, she's too entrenched in this community. Um, Angel is still relatively new to the area, despite the fact that you know he's run for office now once before, and he's been active in the community. But you're talking about someone who served in the school district, uh, someone who again uh, has uh, uh, a lot of favors, you mm -hmm. know, to cash in, and vice versa. I think also that's going to be a very interesting race to see how that works out. Something that people are not even starting to talk about, which I think we are seeing more and more now that uh, more. Um, press is starting to come out with, with um, articles is uh, Charlie Chris and what is he really going to do when it comes to the governor if he's going to run for governor I think that's something that a lot of people are looking at I think that should be very interesting because it opens up that congressional district and we we campaign for um, Anna Polina Luna 
and we did a we did a big push in her district in Pinellas County. And so I think that's something that can really if she, if Charlie moves, I think that allows for Anna Polina to go in immediately because she's already she's never left. She's not one of those politicians that they run, they lose and they disappear. She stayed in the community. She stayed going. But active. she also moved in for that race, too. Why do you always say that? <laughs> <laughs> Just keeping it real. Keeping it real. I'm not going to lie. Yes, she did move into the district for that one. It's not like she doesn't have ties to the Tampa area, though. She does have ties. Yeah, to but the when area. you are running against Charlie Crist, you have to have real ties, mm -hmm. like real deep, solid ties in the community. Um, and but does that and, change? And Charlie's a juggernaut. But does that change if Charlie moves to the tries to go after uh, Ron DeSantis? I think it changes the whole thing. Yeah, because I don't know who liberals would. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know any other Democrat in Pinellas County that has that level of clout, right? That has that level of support. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's certainly people, you know, in the county commission. I mean, you, you could talk about Christman maybe going yeah. after it, um, but I think if Charlie steps aside, I think Anna's going to have a much deeper bench to deal with. Correct. You know, you could see a Rick Baker possibly. You know, who they've been trying to get to run for Correct. that seat for a long yeah. time. Um, you know, and but again, Anna, but you're you're going to see other people. You, you know, you you may see. Um, you know, again, you're probably going to see a George Buck again. I don't um, think you'll see the. Especially with I don't Chris think, I don't think you'll the, see the George Buck. And the only reason why I say that is because I think Anna Polina will get the blessing of the Trump, of uh, the Trump fanboys again. Doesn't mean I think, that's not going to stop. Buck but from running. that will push a lot of people, especially in a very conservative district as that is. Even though we lose it every single time to Charlie Chris, um, I think that's a district that Republicans could definitely pick up, and it's something that we can definitely do. Again, it's all about redistricting. If redistricting looks the way we think it's going to look, a lot, especially if they think Charlie's going to run against, because if who, Charlie drops out of Congress, if Charlie leaves Congress to run for governor and loses to Ron DeSantis, which he would, yeah, if that race happened today, he would. Um, that's it. That that's. I mean, honestly, that's the end of Charlie Chris' political career. But I think I, mean, I think he's going to do it. They're going to try to give him short as of running much, for mayor as much I mean, money which, as possible to run in that seat. And if he if they give him the money to do it, he's going to do it. They'll give him the money to do it. But to I don't think he'll win. Far too oh, popular yeah. to win. That's a whole other conversation. I don't think anyone that runs against Santos is going to win. I don't think that is going to happen whatsoever. But I will say it opens up a lot of lanes if. Um, Charlie Chris moves, and then you see a lot of people try to take that seat. And I think Anna has a really good chance for it. I mean, look, if you take that CPAC poll, and I know it's mm -hmm. not scientifically accurate, and I, I know it's very flawed in, in just a, by design, because it's just for fun. It's, it's just a fun poll. But honestly, I do think there's something there to be said that he came in second by a very large margin to only to Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And that tells me that again, like if he runs again, you know, if he runs, whether he runs for re-election or whether he runs for president, he's going to be very popular and very hard to beat. Mm -hmm. I agree. So. It's it's going to be fun. Twenty twenty two is going to be a fun and exciting race to run. I think we're already starting to talk about, and the reason why we're talking about it is because people are already starting to file for their places, and P, and it's going to become a really fun race in the the region and the state altogether. So with that, I think, do we have anything else to talk about, Johnny? No, no, not at all. I mean, they're talking about District 14, which I don't even want to get they're into. They're going back and forth. That's, that's yeah. The that's comment section. worth addressing. I understand where Hector's coming from, but I usually put my merit behind Kim because she knows what she's talking about. Yeah, look, and Kim's right about that district. I mean, uh, it doesn't even, it's not even worth it for us to bring it up yeah. because uh, she's right. And, uh, and honestly, there are 
far other more important and winnable races that mm -hmm. we need to be focusing on. And 14 is just not one of them. Um, now, again, unless something happens with Kathy Castor, uh, which every time they try to speculate that she's going to do something she's different, not gonna do anything. I think she'll be there. She'll, she'll, she'll probably see through the end of her career in that scene. I agree. So. I love Quinn to death. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's appropriate. I also don't like the way people are talking about that race on the Republican side. Someone mentioned at a, at a meeting I went to that they're thinking of primarying uh, Quinn for District 14. And I, I thought to myself, is that even like a real sentence? You're going to primary someone that's not an elected official in a seat that is not owned by a Republican. It's not winnable. <laughs> Folks, redistricting, not redistricting. <laughs> Um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, gerrymandering is a very real thing, yes. okay? Like it or not, ad accept it, admit it, and love it, okay? Because Republicans and Democrats have designed the congressional maps the way they are for a reason, and those districts are designed to be the way they are, okay? Now, yes, uh, Charlie, Chris, and that district over there is the anomaly. That is the exception to the rule. That is a very purple district. But other than that, everybody else is everybody else's district is designed to protect them. Correct. So whether you like it or not, the Republican legislature designed District 14 to protect Kathy Castor because it protects the Republican seats around her. Mm -hmm. Okay, and and I think once the grassroots people understand that, they realize what a waste of time and money it is to to challenge somebody in District 14. I would love to see Quinn, Christine Quinn maybe think of a county commission seat or maybe think uh i don't know if she lives in the city or not maybe even city council i don't i don't know where she could go but i think her resources could be used much better to be able to to make an actual run at a, at a seat that is winnable i do she'd not be think great for i don't know mayor plant city or you know or maybe run for a county seat or something you know i mean she has the fire she has the resources um it's just misplaced i would love for someone, Ms. Davis, to like Margaret Thatcher the heck out of Christine Quinn and get her get her ready for an actual race that she could win. I think I think with more guidance and leadership with the Quinn campaign, I think that could actually happen. I think with the Angel Urbina, I don't think he's been here long enough, nor does he have the resources to to make an effective run. Again, Angel, I love you to death. But I just don't think it's appropriate anymore, bro brother. Yeah, I'm not sure if uh, Kim Davis is saying that um is she being facetious when she says it's a waste of money yeah i know because for it, Quinn's it is campaign because i it say is. it is um but wow, a quick shout getting... out also to our friend nick DeSegli over in pinellas county who uh is rumored to uh be thinking about running for state senate in jeff in the seat that jeff brandis is yep. currently in which i think uh, i mean makes uh just utmost sense to me. I'm looking forward um, to it. Nick is an incredible guy. He's a great legislator, um, a smart business guy, uh, very level-headed, and I think he'd be a great state senator, uh, especially to succeed Jeff Brandis. And in that particular district, mm -hmm. I couldn't think of any other names really that make the most sense. I mean, if I were to make a list, he would probably be at the top of that list anyways. Uh, so I think that's a given, and I think he'll easily walk into that seat with Jeff Brandis' support. Real quick, Quinn lives in Sarasota? Is that for real? If that's the case, then yeah, I, I don't see... Is that even part of District 14? That's... <laughs> Mm 
Yes. Oh my God. We're it answering is... the questions you don't want the answers to. <laughs> Again, we're not trying to be mean. We're not trying to be uh, braggadocious. We're trying to be honest with when it comes to the diehards that are that are on right now in the comment section, and that again we've had these conversations in the like the back part of the HREC and in meetings at at, at Italian restaurants. These are the meetings that are being had, and we're just having a, a frank conversation with yeah. everyone. Again, we're not trying to be mean. We're just trying to be honest. That sounds like another bumper sticker. All right. Well, 124, 125 it is for tonight, everybody. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, we appreciate you. And we certainly appreciate everybody hanging out in the comments. And that's uh, lots what of love I appreciate about you, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> lots of love going out to Kim Davis, Hector Gonzalez, Laura Hartman, uh, also Steve Emerson for popping up in the comments. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching. Make sure that you like, share, comment, and subscribe to all of our social media platforms. Uh, and also, don't forget to subscribe to the audio version of our podcast over at the Tech Overlords at Google, Apple, Spotify, Audible, and Amazon. Oh, there we go. Party's getting started. So long, everybody, from Ebor City and the American Media Group Bunker. Thanks to Travis Horn and Bullhorn Communications for hosting us tonight. That's all. So long, everybody.